Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where you will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today, where we will be discussing pizza. I don't know what time it is where you are, but I know here it's a little early. Now, can I have pizza? Sure, I can. In fact, when I buy a pizza, this is just a little fun fact about me. I judge a pizza by how it tastes cold. Because I view pizza as being some of the greatest breakfast food that was ever invented. So I have my own feelings about that. Others may feel differently. And in this interview, we are going to get unsliced. Yes, unsliced. This is about how to stay whole in the pizzeria industry. And we're also going to take it a little bit further and discuss how this, some of the concepts we're going to learn today can impact the other forms of brick and mortar businesses and what you can learn as a business creator, especially with everything that's been going on recently. Um, I don't like to use phrases like in the era of COVID because duh, but I want this to be a resource 10 years from now when people are looking through the archives of the business creators radio show and be relevant to what may be going on then, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, or otherwise. To share with us today, we have a gentleman named Mike Bausch, who is the author of Unsliced. And let me just tell you a little bit about him. Mike is an industry leader whose restaurant, Andalini's Pizzeria, is a top 10 pizzeria in the United States, as named by TripAdvisor, BuzzFeed, CNN, and USA Today. Andalini's began in 2005 and has grown to five pizzerias, two gelaterias, two food hall concepts, a food truck, and a fine dining restaurant by 2019. Mike himself is a world pizza champion, a Guinness Book world record holder and a writer for pizza today yes there is a publication for every industry there is one for the pizza industry it's called pizza today i checked it out myself it's pretty interesting mike is part of a marine corps family who has lived across america from new york to california and currently he calls tulsa home and lives with his wife michelle and his son henry so mike bausch come on in the weather's fine hello how are we doing Oh, we're fantastic. We're fantastic. So what we like to do here on Business Creators Radio, I read off your bio. Very impressive. Not even sure that I'm qualified to be here in your presence, and it's my show. So uh, (laughs) what we'd like to do is take a quick step back, as we do with all of our episodes, and uh, discover more about your journey and what brought you to where you are, you know, through your eyes and your perspective, some of the things that brilliantly and passionately drove you to where you are today, where you're in a position to make a difference for your community market and audience. I mean, there's so much, and thank you for that glowing uh, introduction. The The things that have taken us to where we are as a pizzeria and as a business are really by seeking to not do what's been done, um, which is something I did when I first opened. Uh, you know, a lot of businesses and pizzerias are especially do that. They see another place and they're like, Okay, they have, uh, you know, this is the name of this pizza. They have Supreme. They have photos on the wall that look like Italy. It's very cookie cutter and they're successful. So I should do that. And I've learned only when we did things that were more unique to us, did we separate ourselves, become worth visiting and get some accolades. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had a chance to go to the your uh your pizzeria's website, andopizza.com. And while the website has the usual red and green that you're going to expect from a pizza shop, when you actually go look at the pictures, and I know you have some pictures on there of some of the locations, you, you do take a little bit of a different approach to it. And candidly, I've never seen a pizza food truck. I've seen food trucks that sell pizza, usually that microwave stuff, but I've never seen a pizza food truck. Uh, what brought you to that? Well, we were at our second store by that point, by 2012, and we were getting hit up a lot 
to, hey, you should open up in this town or this town. And I would say, no, we shouldn't at all open up in that town. But the one time a year you have a cool uh, party or fundraiser or event, yeah, then we should be in your town. And so we we wanted to to get in on the food truck scene, which has had a very interesting bell curve over the last eight years. It reached its apex in certain parts of America. I think it's kind of coming down off of it. Nonetheless, it's a viable business model. And to your point, you don't see a lot of pizza food trucks because most people who start a food truck do so in the hopes of getting to a brick and mortar. So it's very hard with that, with a pizza truck, because then you have to have a mixer and multiple ovens or all the all that prep is impossible to do on a truck or, or to do it well. So then they have to get a commissary kitchen. So they're already behind the eight ball. With us, we already had the kitchen. We didn't have to we had a place to cut cheese we had a place to make sauce and then put it on the truck and then make the final product to order but not the prep side of it so that's why pizza trucks are pretty rare oh that's interesting and you know i i should have thought of that i've never actually worked in a pizza shop myself the closest i came is when i was in college and i used to work at a wendy's and when i was uh during a period where i was kind of getting tired of the burgers there was a pizza hut literally right across the plaza so i applied there thinking "Ooh, free breadsticks uh looking back it's probably glad i didn't get hired there because <laughs> oh what those free breadsticks would have done to me <laughs> carbs are fun big fan of carbs yeah uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, uh, back when I was uh, first starting out in the world and I needed to get, and this is um, a really, really gorilla lifestyle tip that I don't recommend to anybody, uh, but when I had to be in a situation where due to some of my early client obligations, my first years in business, and I had to wake up unnaturally early because I'm kind of a night owl, I would uh, go to someplace like a Pizza Hut or a Papa John's or a Vocelli's or something like that, and I would get a large order of breadsticks and devour them because it would put me to sleep. <laughs> well, carbs are great for that, too. I mean, <laughs> carbs, are, carbs are just great. I mean, it's really it's – really, you know, I had a theory that if carbs gave you six-pack abs, then people would look down on six-pack abs because it's like there's no way that anything this good could lead to something good. So it, if everyone would just have six-pack abs, if carbs led to that, and then it would not be in vogue, then the pot belly would be, uh, hey, I got to get one of those. How do you do that? So, you know, it's just one of this. But what we do is we take cheese on bread and – not only do it in the best possible way we can imagine to do it, but also have an ambiance and a marketability approach and a service level that makes you want to order it again. And having all three come together, I think are very important to all businesses is your product, your service, and your ambiance. Even if you're an online business, the ambiance is the website. So those three things are what everything boils down to the website, in most cases to the you know photos but also the story and the media or the the way the message gets across changes instead of speaking about your story on your website exclusively now people will do the website purely as a pathway to order something and do the story on Instagram via the history via photos it's always oh. going to exist but in different mediums Oh, yeah, that's that's an interesting way of looking at it, because as I mentioned, I've been on your website. And like, for example, if you go to the article section, it does have uh, it does show that you spend a significant amount of investment in media, particularly in your local market. Yes, I mean, when it comes to media buys, I actually hate uh, solicited approaches to media. I mean, I'll never, ever, ever have. This hour brought to you by Andalini's. I, there's nothing I have a larger <laughs> that I have a larger disdain for because it's so inauthentic and it's such a waste. It's what corporations that have just too much cash and don't know how to spend it do. So I, I really do believe if I'm going to have the local radio station talk about my pizza, I want to make sure that they've eaten our pizza, that they're fans of it, that they're talking conversationally about it instead of just reading ad copy. 
Yeah, you know, it's very interesting here, and I'm going to point this out as much for you as for our listeners, is what you've touched upon is an element of the sponsorship model. So when we hear the word sponsorship, we hear uh, by the, you know, there's a there's an hour slot on the radio show and they need somebody to sponsor it, or they need somebody to sponsor their traffic and weather report. So Andalini's would come in and it would be the Andalini's traffic and weather report. Well, See, that's overt sponsorship, but what you're getting toward is a level of covert sponsorship, which is really where some of the magic is. And I've actually been sponsored by brands when I've spoken on stages and even in a couple episodes of the Business Creators Radio Show. Now, you can go through our episodes, and uh, every episode before yours you're going to find does not identify as sponsor, but every so often I'll mention brand names. I was getting paid for that. Now... These are brands that I use and I'm happy to evangelize for, but I reached out to them and let them know I have a podcast and I have a reach and uh, and I'd like to get sponsored by them for covert sponsorship, which is basically telling a story about using their product. So to your point, what I'm hearing is let's, you know, rather than uh, sponsor the Andalini's traffic and weather report, you would enlist the services of say the morning DJ who would just at certain intervals just go on and on and on about their love of Andalini's pizza, including saying, hey, we just ordered some Andalini's pizza. It's here in the, our studio right now. Man, sausage and mushroom, mushrooms. That would be the goal. I think that's, especially if you're going business to customer, that's the, the very 2020 approach to things is how do you have it in the content rather than sponsored by the content or sponsoring the content. And whether it's... you. Know, but the influencer model, which I'm touching on, can be done two vastly different ways. Yeah. I think there's the the bastardization of it, which, you know, we had someone come to us and say, uh, I was looking to do a collab for my bride, for my baby shower, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what a collab was. I was like, okay, free garlic dots? And they're like, no, no, no. I want to do a collab, which I had no idea meant that they – eat for free for 20 people but that was what she wanted to do to then post about it on her feed when i looked at her feed it was you know a few different necklaces and moisturizers that she had tried and just talked about it to camera and then she was going to take photos of her friends eating and i was like okay i'm down to try this but let's see what happens and nothing happened from it on the inverse i saw someone who was doing tiktoks last month of just their favorite restaurants around tulsa they were definitely immersing themselves in the in the video and it had a thousand different comments and 50,000 likes and and this was not a famous person this was someone who claimed that they were an influencer just someone who digs going out to eat and, and documenting it and I said hey love for you to come out to our new restaurant whenever you'd like uh it's on me I didn't have to tell them what to do and instantly they came out like think that weekend did a video and it had a ton of hits and that is top of mind awareness and the sniper approach that I see will be the business to consumer approach for the future. Yeah. And I want to break down the influencer thing. I want to reinforce what you just said. Uh, when people hear the word influencer, they see one of two things. They see somebody who on, who's on Instagram and who has the website that has the complete white background with the very colorful high res images on it, which almost looks like their Instagram, candidly, where they outright promote products. Uh, that is the, uh, you know, that's the in-your-face sort of blatant, I'm getting paid to say this type influencer. But what you referred to is that local person who just likes to go out and eat and likes to tell stories to their followers. And people latch on to that because, hey, I, I, I'm into the restaurant scene. I want to see what's good out there. So I'm going to follow so-and-so and just see what they have to say about it. See, that is a different level of influencer because they're also discussing life stuff so they become influential about more than just hey this is where i want to check in if i want to know where there's good pizza in tulsa oklahoma for instance uh now this whole thing about collab i'm glad you brought that up by the way collab means basically uh let me have your stuff for free and i'll put it on my instagram well big freaking whoop there are actual if you've ever seen those articles that certain websites publish, they're just collections of Reddit stories. There's a whole sub subgenre of collab 
influencers getting owned with their pitches. And here's one of my here's one of my favorite responses. And this was actually, I believe, from a restaurant. And they said, uh, cool. Tell you what, uh, here's what you do. You come to my restaurant, you order a meal, you pay for it. And you write me a really good review. And then I'm going to give you a coupon. And if 10 people over the next 30 days use the coupon, I will refund the cost of your meal. That's really good. Yeah, so that might be a way around that uh, in a way that uh, if you want to take a chance that some influencer might actually send you referrals that will lead to pies being sold, that might be a way to do it. Um, and then there was another one that was really snarky about it that uh, said, I'll tell you what, um, yeah, you can come into my restaurant. Um, you can order a meal uh, so you can have the realistic experience of eating at my restaurant. And then when I'm done, I'm going to have the server give you a bill so you can have the realistic experience of paying for it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there it certainly is. I mean, restaurant owners are a surly bunch who don't, uh, who then are in the hospitality industry. So they hide their surliness and sometimes it, it comes out. Now, I don't disagree. Uh, I, I hold back, but I mean, there's certainly times where you're like, come on, buddy. I find it interesting, the dynamic right when uh, COVID started in March of 2020, that we really didn't get any reviews positive or negative we were still doing curbside but everyone knew to like hey be cool be cool for a little while and then i remember this it just washed over me happiness when i got my first completely scatterbrained review like a you know around april or may and it was just this nonsensical review and i was like ah oh, we're society's getting back to normal we will survive this <laughs> like the when i got another you know just crazy review it felt it felt good again <laughs> sometimes those crazy reviews can be a lot of fun because uh you know as i like to point out to people if I, let's say i'm looking for at reviews for a business and uh whatever website i'm using has a scale of one to five i'm looking for the business that has about a 4.1 or 4.2 and here's the reason why I want to know that they're human beings and sometimes they screw up. So if I order a pizza from Andalini's, I know that every once in a while you send one out that's under or overcooked or just has the wrong ingredients on it. But then I want to see if you get that troll who just decides to make a big issue of it, that you handle it and how you handle it. So that I have the confidence that if I order mine with no cheese and it comes slap slobbered with mozzarella, that I'm being taken care of by your establishment. That's actually going to raise my confidence in walking in your door. That's a really good point. I mean, how how they respond to something is is important and uh, advantageous of the of the savvy business owner. And I think because I never have paid TripAdvisor any money, but I think because we've done that so well for such a long time is why we were one of the top 10 pizzerias in America based solely on reviews from TripAdvisor was just, if we screw up, we'll own it. And that's more rare nowadays than it, than it ever has been. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and I advise my clients in marketing, uh, they may get concerned that their marketing emails may have typos in them. And I've seen cases where uh, the subject line has a typo in it. So they want to pause everything and implement a huge quality control process that involves three layers of review and two spell checkers and everything else. Because dagnabbit, we cannot have these mistakes happen. And my argument is, as long as your mistake rate is like somewhere under 5%, you're actually going to come out ahead financially and also with integrity in the marketplace by just absorbing it. It is that, that wabi-sabi of the beauty of a mistake that the Japanese uh, are big fans of, just like jazz music and having a little bit of imperfection to be perfect. Uh, yeah, I, I prescribe to that as well. And I, I also just use Grammarly, which seems to be doing <laughs> just fine. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't pay multiple people. It's also whenever I hear that from like a corporate business, whenever like we need to put more more bodies on this. Well, you have too much money. You have stupid money. If you yeah. don't say, if you're not saying okay, this person needs to do more work. If you're like, let's throw more money at it. That's that's a problem that restaurant owners don't typically run into. Right, right. So one of the things you understand as a restaurant owner is every so often somebody's going to screw up a pizza, and your best deal is just to replace it with a smile. Of course. I mean, yeah. I have a 100% satisfaction guarantee 
which isn't hyperbole. It's if you don't like it, I don't want you to pay. And people will say, well, aren't you going to get people to take advantage of that? And the, it's a fascinating look at people that there's many pizzeria owners who will never do that, will never give 100% satisfaction guarantee out of fear that so, that one person will take advantage of them. They could get another $10,000 in business by creating positive assurance in what they're about to purchase from the average consumer. But the thought of one person getting one over on them screws with them so bad that they can't bring themselves to do it. It's like someone mocked them too hard in junior high and they'll never let themselves get taken advantage of again. I'm like, if one out of a thousand people wants to take advantage of me, but I increase the purchase pride and decrease purchase anxiety for the other 999, then by all means, that's between you and your God. The funny thing about that one person that's going to troll you is they'll eventually tire out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and, and worst case scenario, you can just ban them. I mean, it, it comes a point and uh, those folks eventually expose themselves anyway. And your ra- avid fans will join you and saying come on man leave andalini's alone they're a good place yeah our our jerk factor is extremely low in tulsa too yeah uh, i mean compared to like i see what my friends in san francisco deal with and uh in like tier one cities especially where everyone thinks that they're about to be tapped to write for the chronicle and the times yeah and uh and it's not remotely the same i think we have a one in 1000 rate i think it's more like more that rate to absolute nutty and maybe one out of a hundred that'll just light up, but there'll be probably like five to 12 out of a hundred in the tier one cities of people that have just nonsensical expectations. And I don't mean big expectations, big expectations are fine. I mean, nonsensical ones. Like they brought me too many napkins, like weird stuff. Like <laughs> oh that. my God. Oh my goodness gracious! I mean, I know when I when I order when I order like a submarine sandwich, uh, I uh, like a specific amount of banana peppers on it. But I usually go to places where they all know me anyway, and they know that I want exactly four spread out because I like the banana pepper taste, but just not too much of it. Uh, I mean, that that's just a customization. And when you have a good customer that comes in and buys it twice a week, you're happy to do it. But yeah, if you get like a, a one shot person and they say. I wanted exactly 10 pieces of pepperoni on every slice. <laughs> yeah, we don't, I, and if they do, I'm fine. I'll, I'll take, you want, uh, do you spend money? Oh, you do? Okay, yeah, here's 10 slices of pepperoni right. on each slice. No problem. I can take care of that. No problem. Yeah, and, and that's the right approach. So aside from, you know, we've had some interesting stories here already, but in your experience, you know, based on your, what you deal with compared to what you see in the public, what are some of the biggest misconceptions about the restaurant industry? There's a lot. Uh, I, I can go down to a few of the biggest ones. One Please. is people, people believe because they've eaten at a lot of restaurants that they could run a restaurant themselves. And that's like me saying, because I've seen The Godfather 20 times, I could direct yeah, it's, it's it's or or you watched a lot of Law and Order, so yeah, I could I could hold court. That's that's the issue that so people are like, well, I'm great at cooking steak. I should open a restaurant. No, you shouldn't. You should keep cooking steak. The the mountain of marketing, HR, and agility that it takes to run a restaurant is unlike any other industry in America. Do not come in half baked and think that you will be okay. That's the biggest one. The regular consumer one. People will think because they have $20 and they gave me $20 for pizza that I therefore have $20. If I was to say, how much profit do you think I should get out of a $1 bill to most consumers? They would say, Oh, 50 cents, 70 cents. And the fact of the matter is a successful pizza a restaurant for that matter in America is making five cents, a 5% profit. If everything's running according to the plan after labor and all of the, uh, food purchases and all the utility purchases and marketing expense. If you turned 5% profit, you are a highly successful restaurant. So out of, you know, out of 10 bucks, I'm looking to keep 50 cents out of 20 bucks. I'm looking to keep $1. So, but the, the irony is, and I love doing the donations because it's more top of mind awareness. It's more like marketing for our brand, but people will say, Hey, could you give back or give us donate to this thing, which we always do, but you don't see them going to the pipeline company or the massive company downtown 
and say, hey, will you sponsor this? When it's like they could just sneeze and lose $10,000. Uh, it's always interesting how many people assume, well, since I spent money here and I'm a person, you must have the money. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And, you know, you raise an interesting point, too. Like, if I wanted a, a pizza restaurant to sponsor the Business Creators Radio Show, uh, it's funny. You pointed out human nature. I would probably find some local pizza place here in Las Vegas that I liked and ask them for sponsorship money for, you know, some way. But now that I think of it, being candid, it wouldn't occur to me to go to Papa John's, even though they probably have a uh, million-dollar budget allocated to little sponsorship things in Nevada alone, where breaking off $2,000 to get their name one more place would uh, be a matter of filling out a form. I mean, they certainly deeper pockets. Every Because a, a small business, especially a restaurant, has to have a direct ROI. They can't spend money on on top of mind awareness advertising nearly as much which there's you know if if i sponsor a kid's little league and then that place comes in and eats at only our place like seven times and and we're really indoctrinated into the culture of the town yes it will move the needle and be positive but i've had like people walk in and say hey will you do a gold sponsor for this gala dinner of ten thousand dollars for this you know, charity for the local zoo. And I'm like, what do you think we're running here? That I would drop 10K on that. That's, this is a restaurant. It's like, well, you know, you, you're opening so many restaurants. You must have that. It's like, no, no restaurant has that. I mean, not even Papa John's has that. It's it's right. it, it's really, you want investment uh, brokerages and these places that are not as sexy of a, of a logo to put on the back of a t-shirt. They're who, if I had to go get something sponsored, I'm going to them. They got, they don't care. They're like, oh, cool, whatever. But any small business needs to get an ROI immediately, not even like in the next year. We're talking in the next month. If I spend $1,000 on something, I don't need to get $1,000 back. I need to get three to $5,000 back because yeah. that $1,000 to the point of the $20 of me only getting one, I need to be able to pay all the labor and all the food costs. It's going to take me not just to recoup the 1,000, but to the three to 5,000 before it's remotely uh, a wise decision. Yeah. So let me tell you a story for myself where I actually requested sponsorship from an organization about a year ago. Uh, it's a local cigar shop here in Las Vegas. Uh, I belong to an organization that occasionally holds cigar socials, and we usually do raffles at these socials to support some sort of cost, so, or some sort of cause, rather. In this particular case, uh, there was an effort to raise money for an organization that helps rescue children from child sex slavery. So I went to my friend who's the owner of the shop. I let him know we were looking for and asked him if he, had, uh, if he would be so gracious as to... Uh, donate a box of cigars it could be raffled off he was perfectly willing to do it now part of his willingness to do it is because of a few things number one he knows me pretty well because he sees me in the shop regularly and he also knows that it's kind of my home base and i'm a regular there that's number one so he's already there's already money coming in i've already invested in his business so it can be sort of a giving back for him number two uh he was aware just through me mentioning it casually that my organization uh, has cigar socials. So I implied, and this is something I would have actually done if it hadn't been for the damn bug and may still do it at some point, that we might have a cigar event in his store, which could seat 20 or 30 people easily. So when you put those two things together, he saw something in it for him. Whereas if I had come up to him with a form that says, I've got gold, I've got platinum, and I've got titanium, which one do you want? He might have said, well, we're already tapped out. Yeah. Straight, straight cash donations are just not doable. Now, I can't even count how many free pizzas I've given away because my belief is, you know, it's a very drug dealer approach that yeah. if pizza gets in front of someone, will they be hooked? Do I stand by the product enough that I'm, I'm just spreading the word? That's one thing. The giving back thing, to give back, just sight unseen, no marketability to it which we'll do and we advantageously don't market it. I need to know it's going, we basically have a rule, uh, the homeless or orphans. At that point, you need food for homeless or orphans, we'll give you food. Straight up, no, we don't need to bring a banner. We're, we're there, you got us. 
that's yeah. just doing the right thing which also is another weird annoying thing is i'll see when a corporate and i'm not anti-corporation by any means i, I right. i'm all about capitalism but when i'll see a short-sighted marketing team that'll donate five pizzas and then bring in 20 times that in marketing to the five pizza donation that's annoying to me when i see super bowl commercials that are like an, a minute long about all that they do for for america i'm like you could have given that money to to your cause rather than talk about how great you are and spending seven mil on it on a super bowl commercial it's very counterintuitive to me and inauthentic yeah well let's uh, let's speak about the super bowl for a minute and one of the, for years i'm not sure if this is still going on for years one of the iconic commercials you'd see every year for the Super Bowl would be from GoDaddy, which we know is a domain registrar, web hosting company, that sort of thing. Now, it's funny that you have all the, their cutesy and you know sometimes sexy and salacious GoDaddy commercials, but yet, unless you are in a position where you need or have a website or have some level of entrepreneurship or online marketing, what does that mean to you? Like, uh, and, I, and I've tested this theory many times where in casual conversation I mentioned, yeah, I had to contact GoDaddy because I had to change the credit card for my domain or something like that. And the person would ask, what's a GoDaddy? And this would be as like a football sports not asking me this question. Oh, you're, so you're saying there's, it shows how, how lack of their ability, they, they were sexy with Danica Patrick, but they didn't. Yeah actually move the needle yeah i think that's the point of a lot of uh see that with a lot of advertising is they they try so hard to be clever but the hero is the cleverness the hero is not the product yeah correct correct so what i'd like to do now is i like we're about halfway through here um i'd like to shift gears a little bit and i know some of our listeners and this is part of the reason we had you on the show mike uh are interested in doing something bricks and mortar uh either is to fulfill some childhood dream or as an additional stream of revenue where they may actually like just buy something established or something, or maybe even want to franchise many different options there, as you know. So uh, one of the questions that uh, sometimes comes up, and I know you address this a bit in the Unsliced book, is what is the criteria to decide if, let's just use the pizzeria industry, What? how do you decide if that's even right for you? Well, I... Uh, I'm not seeking to just blindly plug my book, but I wrote in the first chapter and a good part of the second chapter, a very, very, like pretty much scathing approach to it saying, hey, do not sign up for this thinking this is going to solve your life's problems. It's going to give you a mess of new problems. Don't jump into this world if your relationship with your significant other is a little iffy. There's a lot to question before you get into it. Then if you're like, no, no, I need to run a pizza place. I need it. There's nothing in my life that matters other than that. If you have all that going for you and the sweat equity, the next thing is, do you have the capital? And if you're like, well, the oven's going to cost this and the lease will be this and this. And then people forget maps cost money, plates cost money, toilet paper costs money, uh, the lights cost money to be replaced. All this stuff costs a ton of money. And I say, take whatever figure you have and double it and then add another 10%. And if you don't have all that day one, you're gonna run out of cash and you're gonna fold. I bring that up because you know, I grew up in a small town area and like every three months, some new pizza shop would spring up and then three months later it'd be gone. It's, it's a hard business and, and yeah. you know, you're, you're trying to find your voice like a comedian, but a comedian could bounce around living off a dollar a day for a long time. A restaurant needs to make money day one. Which is why I found your food truck story so interesting uh, because I, I've, uh, I credit James Malinchak for this, by the way, and he explained in one of his seminars, if he were to say, want to go into the flower shop business, now what would be the traditional approach for opening a flower shop is you identify a location because location, location, location. Then you have to remodel the place. You have to spend money on the sign. Then you have to do the advertising. You have, probably have to reshelve the thing. You have to buy all the stuff to maintain the flowers. Then you have to get the flowers themselves. So then you have to have vendor relationships and there, then there are permits and all other kinds of stuff even before you open the doors. So folks will open up a flower shop and then they'll, they'll go through all that and they'll open it up and they'll say, okay, so where, 
where are all those hopeless romantics buying a dozen red roses? Where are all the funerals? Where are all the weddings? But another approach to that is to say, hey, I got my pickup truck. I'm in this plaza. I got a bed full of flowers. I'm going to be here for three hours. Come on down. Which one do you think raises capital faster? Certainly the second, right? Yeah. It also has a call to action on it, which not you know isn't typical of flowers but in that scenario you if you create one you're like well sure maybe i'll go get some flowers you know there's there's a lot to be said about marketing and approaching things uh from a different perspective which again permeates the restaurant industry with people who still believe well i should buy valpac and i should still spend money on yellow pages you know a lot of people are like well how much should i be spending on the yellow pages so i'm like nothing don't do that don't spend money on that <laughs> No one cares. In fact, we called it Andalini's because we opened and wanted to have an A name because the phone book did matter back then. Yeah. I wanted to be at the top of the list. I would, I, it, Andalini's is a, my Italian name is Carlucci and it was already copyrighted. So I'm like, I got to come up with an A name because the phone book matters, which is very much does not anymore. That, and that's why if you look in the yellow pages, so many businesses start with the letter A because uh, believe me, you're not the only person who thought of that one. Certainly not in 2004, but you don't need to be a best or a one roofing anymore because maybe in the yellow pages, but it's online doesn't it's if I was starting a company like that, it would, now it's whatever widget company, if it's business to consumer, it's about a, a tight logo, a good Instagram presence and above all else, quick response. People suck at responding to stuff nowadays and if you connect everything to your watch to your apple watch or whatever it is and just respond laser quick you'll get more business yeah that's yeah and that's why people integrate with bot marketing they integrate their social media um, and its chat functions and things like that and what's really great about chat applications today is you don't have to have somebody logged into a computer it's not like uh, it's not like website tech support or something like that where you can actually have like if somebody goes to your website and they see your chat window and they were to type something like hey man uh can i get a discount if i order 12 pizzas well, whether or not you give a discount on 12 pizzas, you can have that message routed to wherever you are and have somebody on duty to give lightning fast responses to those messages. It is a pro. I mean, certainly the bots help. Uh, I am, I've dabbled in them, but it, it can go awry pretty quick if, it, if yeah. you allow the bot to take on to more than it can. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go on, go on, keep going. Uh, but I like to, and then if it's not a bot, if you're responding, I, I have to go out of my way to advantageously show that I'm not a bot because, you know, like if I say to a, a GM, hey, respond to this customer complaint, the typical GM who's new or who, who has a good head on their shoulders wants to respond in a very robotic way. Like at Andalini's, we value your concern. I'm like, would you ever say that face to face? Blah, blah, no. blah, blah. Well, you don't value us? Well, no freaking shit, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, I mean, I mean yeah, that, that's fluff language because if I'm exactly. if I'm complaining because I ordered a pizza with no cheese and I waited 45 minutes to get it and it showed up and it was slathered with mozzarella, uh, you know, I'm looking for you to show me you value my business by making it right. Uh, I mean, exactly. I'm assuming you value my business and and uh, want to make sure that I'm a satisfied customer. So show me the value and then I'll believe it. I don't need to hear the words because in the meantime, I'm now 47 minutes into not getting my pizza. How fast can I get a pizza? Exactly. That's and I mean, you bring up the, that concern. So I mean, my response is, wow, that super sucks. Uh, I see what happened here. It was disorder. Let me deal with this. Let me. I mean, it's so obvious that it's a human responding that it's endearing, and then they don't want. They want to turn down their defenses. They have empathy because they see me having empathy for them, and then we create a resolution plan that all parties are not just like, okay, fine, they fixed this, but wow, and then it's an opportunity to get a wow. Like, not only am I copying it, not only am I getting you another one. I'm delivering it and I'm inviting you back on me the next time you come out. It's just so many levels that I'm doing at that point so that I don't just appease them so that they go from crapping on me to their friends less. 
but then they'd be like, they screwed up. And then this happened. That's my goal. I always think in terms of what is my goal of what's said about this exchange a week from now, a month from now. And the only way to get there is by being incredibly impressive in that moment. So I, I'm thankful for those moments when they occur, if we are able to monetize the opportunity. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's some guidance I give, and this is to when I coach people who have like consulting type businesses. And also if I were giving advice to somebody working in a corporate scenario, now you've seen or may have seen, and maybe our listeners have, you know, this will touch a nerve for them where something goes awry something goes wrong, whether it's with the project or the deliverable or something like that. And then you get your boss wants to start reviewing emails because they're looking for that gotcha moment where they can say, aha, you knew about this and you replied to it because they just want to show that they're doing quality control. So I've had that happen to me a couple times. And here's how I respond to it, And here's how I encourage other people to respond to it is I'll say, Look, I see what I see. What's what you're doing here is you want to review the entire history of this. So, uh, because you're looking to demonstrate that even though I don't remember this, that I was told and I replied to it, so that you can illustrate that I should have known. So, how about I just concede that I should have known? And right now, let's look at where we are and where we need to be. We're obviously a little off track, a little off the rails here. Let's get the train back on the rails, and then get to the destination as fast as we can. And then after we solve this, then I'll be happy to sit down with you and we'll do a very detailed autopsy in the name of quality control so that we can reduce the chance of something like this ever happening again. Now, the funny thing is, is when you say that to somebody in most cases, unless they're really just out to get you, in which case that's an impossible situation, they will immediately latch onto the idea of getting the result that they want. And usually by the time they get the result they want, they're just happy and want to move on. I've had to make that offer three times in 17 years and not once has anybody ever taken me up on, well, let's review this afterward because now they're ready to say, oh, that's cool. So now let's do this other thing. They don't want to think about the past. They want to think about the future. They assume that I know how to handle situations based on me handling that situation and now have greater confidence that if something happens again due to statistical human error, that I'm going to deliver for them just like I did the previous time. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Winning hearts and minds. Exactly. Exactly. Now there's another thing and yes, you know, we are discussing your book again, because I think it's a very good resource. And I, what I do want people to go to your website and buy a copy of your book, like I've done. Uh, and, uh, there's another thing that you cover in there, and we've touched on this in our conversation, but I really want to drill down on this because this is something where I see that so many people have misconceptions about it, uh, and you've touched on this, so let's get into it a little more detail. How to market modernly, and I love that, how you phrase that, by the way. Yeah, I, it's, there's so many like just dumbass things that people do. I, I said Valpac before, but then whatever is going to be the marketing message if you're talking to a person, not just a group of people, but really targeting individuals, you can get a lot further than this bland, let me just machine gun into the air and see what hits. Uh, that's what door hanging was, especially in the pizza world in the early 2000s. Now, marketing with pizza is the most advantageous level of marketing, I would argue, there is in America. The most cutthroat in the sense that you're fighting you know, maybe tens, dozens of people in your local community, all with this product, and you are trying to win hearts and minds with top of mind awareness and offers different than, let's say, even a burger place. A burger place is not expected, hey, can I get two burgers for 10 bucks, you know, delivered to me in the next under 30 minutes? But that's always been the expectation of pizzas. What's the coupon? What's the win? What's the specials? What's all this? And it just is very, very rare. So you, but you still need to do it. You still have to play this game and stand out. So how do you do that? And it's building a want and need and brand for the product. And when I say a brand, uh, Seth Godin said last week, I saw an interview with him that if the Hyatt Regency made a shoe, no one would know what that shoe would look like. You can't really imagine what that shoe would look like because they're not a brand, they're, they're a company. But if Nike was to make a hotel, 
you could imagine what that hotel would look like, what Nike would do, because Nike makes a brand. And as a brand for a pizza place, I go for the ambiance being a 1920s New York bar is our ambiance. Very, a lot of wood and brick and very comfortable, not trendy, but comfortable. And I have the pizza look a certain way and the staff has a certain demeanor and all these things combine that resonate with the customer. And in terms of how do I market that, whatever marketing today, Instagram, five years ago, purely Facebook, Twitter in the mix, as TikTok comes to fruition and whatever kerfuff and plop in the next 10 years, it's all how do you directly engage a customer and tap into their sensory perception of feeling pride in their purchase. And if you could alleviate purchase anxiety and increase purchase pride and do it in a way where it comes off as earnest and humble, I believe you could get further than the big corporate chain that's in your town or, or wh- whatever Goliath you're taking on in your business, if you approach it from that perspective. And then I'm a big proponent that it costs a lot of money to have a, a face for your brand. It costs a lot of money to have, you know, the Samuel L. Jackson for capital, uh, uh, capital, capital one, capital one uh, credit cards. But Dave Thomas with Wendy's didn't cost them anything because he's, He's the owner. If you're the owner, be in front of the camera, talk directly to camera, and that level of realism, I mean, Dave Thomas was really way ahead of his time when you think about it. Yeah, he was. And the, rea- and the reality approach to salesmanship. People, his, his whole team was saying, we got to ditch these commercials. You are so bland on camera. We need to get a girl. We need to spice it up. And he's like, no, I'll just keep talking to camera. And then their sales went up. And they're like, okay, we'll shut up. I think you don't need to be super attractive or super polished. In fact, that could work against you. And that's the approach that I see for the modern, regular business owner who owns their business. Everyone's rooting for these Shark Tank people, whoever they are, because they have a story and because they care. And that's not going out of style. No. Now, now, what's interesting about Dave Thomas, and I worked at Wendy's when Dave Thomas was alive and was still involved in running the company, uh, he was, for us, kind of an iconic figure. Uh, it took the point that even if some th- elements of the work just really sucked, uh, and if something was being done wrong, or we had uh, yet another time-serving assistant manager who thinks they're going to set the world on fire by reading from the instruction manual or any of those types of things, uh, what we could latch on to was Dave. Yeah. I mean, just a, he's just a regular, I mean, you looked at him, he's just a regular guy who really liked burgers. And he had a little bit of a personal story too about being adopted and how uh, his form of making the world a better place with him in it was using some of the profits from Wendy's to uh, donate it and work with organizations that facilitated adoptions uh that was very important to him and really his whole story was about hamburgers even as a kid he spent most of his time working in hamburger joints in fact getting fired from one was part of the inspiration for how he designed wendy's and we all we also know that wendy's is named after his daughter yes i'm a big fan and uh, i think that that's the business to business is a different story but business to consumer I, I very much value that approach. And I, as much as that's an older approach, it's never been more modern, modern. And buying services that are very bland and very generic, I, I would say are antiquated and should be done away with. Uh, my wife is a real estate agent and all the real estate agents were told when they get training, you know, you should allocate 3% of your budget to, to marketing. So here's all these magazines, and every town has them. Where it's like, uh-huh. pay, pay to be in our magazine. And I was like, who's reading a magazine? Who's finding a realtor in a magazine? This is just a weird, and the magazine's telling the brokers of the real estate agencies, you need to tell your, tell your real estate agents that they got to spend money with us. And, and they're just perpetuating this cycle of crap. And, and then I asked my wife, how many real estate agents in Tulsa have a Yelp profile, which is free, and I'm not advertising for Yelp, nor has my wife or me spent money with Yelp. Yeah. And she just got a Yelp page because she can't get a TripAdvisor page. Maybe at this point you get a Google listing, but this was 
around four years ago. And then here she is getting every out-of-towner who looks up real estate agent in Tulsa using Yelp's algorithm to an SEO enhancement. And she's only fighting against maybe three or four real estate agents, three of them who haven't even updated their profile or put photos in there. And it was just fish in a barrel. And, and that's what's fascinating to me is how just doing something a little different than what you're expected to do can have the biggest return and how everyone's so afraid to do something out of the norm because they're like, if someone knew how to do this, they would have already done it by now. I'm like, that could be you. That could be you. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, you bring up realtors and real estate agents, and I love that example you gave where, yeah, they all advertise in the local community circular, and you get this entire page of everybody who's associated with Howard Hanna. And I'm not picking on Howard Hanna. I guess they're fine. I no, don't know. I haven't bought a house yet. But uh, And you see, in your town, this could be some little rinky-dink town with 800 people in it, but somehow they have 32 realtors, and it's this entire page with these obvious family family photographer headshots uh they all have one and they're all dressed exactly the same and every single one has their cell phone underneath it so you can reach them anytime boy that tells me who i'm <laughs> tells me which realtor to work with uh I'll tell you what i'll just close my eyes reach my arm out and let my finger drop and i'll just work with the one that it, you know because that's about how much data that gives me and that's and if i were participating in that that's probably about how many leads i'd get in the quality of them but I can tell you this much, that when I was considering uh, moving to various towns, and I ultimately chose Las Vegas when I moved from the East Coast seven years ago, uh, you know, what was helpful to me is I had questions like, all right, so you know, what's the cost of an apartment? Uh, uh, what, what, you know, what, are, what are some good communities? Uh, what are the pet policies? Because I want to know how big of a menagerie I can have. Uh, where, where, which ones have the good swimming poles? Do these swimming poles actually work? Uh, you know, which ones are closer to which community? I mean, question after question after question. I'm three time zones away. So do you really think I was able to get the Las Vegas uh, local regional circular and just pick somebody and have their cell phones so I could call them anytime, which, by the way, scares me, candidly? Uh, or do you think that by doing uh, binging the Yahoo out of the Googles and asking questions like apartments in Las Vegas, that might have shown me some select people who were in a position to answer questions? Like, here's a very common thing about Las Vegas. Uh, most buildings here do not have basements. You know why? I don't know why. why. Well, a lot of people think it's because we're in the desert and it's sand. Actually, you have to look what's underneath the sand. Caliche, which is harder than limestone. So if you want to dig a basement for your house, you're looking at adding about forty to $50,000 to the construction cost and much less than that to the value of the house. You got to really, 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 really want a basement. But how would you know something like that? Does one of the 32 realtors on page 27 know that? Is that where you ask? Or do you find somebody who's doing that type of marketing? Maybe they're using Yelp and maybe somebody goes to Yelp and use the question feature and asks a question like, uh, uh, you know, uh, do Las Vegas houses have basements? They answer that question. They're now head and shoulders above. So translating that to a pizza shop, uh, you, have the, you, know, you have the ability to use avenues like Yelp and answer questions like, uh, do you have vegan options? Now, I know from your website you do, but that's a question a lot of people have. Certainly. I mean, being vegan is not going anywhere. And, and having you know, having the website do a lot of the work is great. Uh, but the personal approach is, is what will take someone into the stratosphere and, again, make someone have purchase pride. Packaging. I believe a lot in packaging. If I just bought the generic box and have a, you know, a thank you bag, there's nothing that discerns that this is any different than whatever else someone bought. And, and again, you're in Las Vegas compared to someone, you know, some people like to go to the outlets and they, they would pay the same amount on the strip, which would be very out of the norm. But nonetheless, they feel that they're getting savings because they're at the, the place that's buying off a rack. But, you know, people coming in from out of town or coming in to spend money want that experience of looking at the the nice outfit in the window with all the pomp and circumstance and yeah. in a restaurant if you could add some pomp and circumstance to even a pizza then that's like oh look at me i bought this pizza just like the 
the purchasing on the euphoric side of the braid that occurs when someone has a bunch of bags in their hand walking through a mall, very 1980s look, nonetheless, that's, that yeah. is someone who is proud of what they have achieved. And the bag is uh, emphasizing that pride, even an Apple bag. It's a very clean look and it says, look at me, I, I get it. I know the deal. I bought an apple as opposed to some loose bag or brown paper bag or, or something that just doesn't give purchase pride. I, I think pizza with a gorgeous box and a great bag and clear packaging that delineates that this was made with care makes someone more inclined to purchase again. Yeah, so when I see, so when someone delivers me a pizza and the box just says delicious pizza on it, I'm pretty sure that they went to any place that sells generic pizza boxes and saved a couple cents. Where, and you know what? I can't remember where any of, the, any of those places are, but I do remember, and this, I don't even know if this place is even in business anymore. Back when I was in college at Penn State almost 25 years ago, there was a little place called, uh, Piece of pizza, I believe, was what it was called. But I know they, I know their logo had a peace sign on it, and they had all kinds of really interesting, red, weird uh, varieties of pizza. But I still remember a piece of pizza, and I rem- and I remember their logo that was round, and it showed a lo- it showed a pizza that was cut into three slices like a peace sign. So next time I go to State College, I might check and see if piece of pizza is still around i know if whenever i make it to tulsa i'm gonna check on andalini's because i can get pizza out anywhere that's that is also the hope is that the person the out-of-towner wants to check us out as opposed to someone else and and that not only are we the local option which i i i want to not just be i don't want people coming to us out of altruism i want it to be because we're great and you know having that benefit and to your point about the delicious pizza on the box it's so inauthentic because you're like, that's a generic box. How do you yeah. know? How do you know that this pizza is going to be said delicious when you made this box? It's like you're promising something. I think that's another thing I really have disdain for is cliched phrases with no verifiable source. Uh, in restaurants, it'll say only the finest ingredients. I'm like, who says? You? What's the finest? What makes something the finest because if you're going to put that out there which is so cliched already uh there's nothing that backs it up even if someone was to say we're the best like you if you said voted the best by the chronicle then you're saying here's a fact from a verifiable source yeah makes me believe it it's almost it's like movie reviews you can tell if a movie's gonna suck if it if it starts off and says Rolling Stone gives it five stars. Then you're like, okay. But if you see KPXW Cincinnati says it's a must see, you're like, oh, this this movie's gonna blow. Uh well, I, I I get the point. And and there are different ways you can apply the same thing because some people might listen to what you just said and say, Oh, Rolling Stone uh gave it five stars. Well, uh what political agenda are they serving and how much did they get paid for that rating? <laughs> or I mean that, that might be that might that, certified fresh. Exactly exa- exactly. I mean that might be another person's view. But if they say, Oh well, well uh such and such uh Mike Bausch movie critic, and you know what Mike's tastes are and you know what he thinks is a good movie, if he says it's good and you agree with his tastes, you're much more likely to agree that, that movie's worth watching. Yes, it's a, it's someone to back up the, the the marketing. Right. So specifics, and uh, we have uh, just one minute here, so I'll make one final point before I uh, before I wrap up here. Uh, is uh, I share something in my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy, which um, is called the sleeper effect. If you yourself are tooting your own horn, it kind of loses value over time because like. Well, yeah, what's he going to do? Say that they sell sucky pizza? But if you get everybody buzzing about the pizza and you get news articles in your local town about uh, Andalini's and you get the local DJ who says, all right, we're going to take a commercial break here. And uh, because I got to I got to call Andalini's and get a sausage and mushroom over here. We'll be back in five more minutes with your next jam. That's going to carry some weight. And eventually I hear everybody talking about Andalini's. I'm going to check it out. That's, that's what we're predicating and hoping yeah. and basing our, our marketing on. 
Yeah, um, I've seen. Uh, yeah, I, I have a client who uh, who uh, organizes. Uh, his name's Dan Janow. He organizes this thing called the Author Marketing Collaborative, where a bunch of authors get together and they offer their books as PDF downloads. You just opt in and get the book. And uh, what's interesting is I had people that I've been trying to get on my mailing list for years. I offered them special reports. I offered them webinars. I offered them this, that, and the other thing. I even offered them the chance to download my damn book for free. Never did it. But then when they saw it being offered through the Author Marketing Collaborative, son of a gun, all of a sudden, now they're, now they're my email list subscribers because somebody else said it was good. Because somebody else thought that book was good enough to include it in their giveaway. It, uh, that's that's the sleeper effect. So we're at the top of the hour here, and I know that uh, there's two things that we want people to do. First of all, uh, go to unsliced book.com so i'm giving you the endorsement unslicebook.com uh whether you're interested in the pizzeria business interested in bricks and mortar business interested in a great story and interesting in the any of the various things you need to succeed as a business creator it's a fresh perspective and it goes from managing staff to mindset marketing and everything in between and it's got a real nice cover on it too so that's unslicebook.com and i know when i come to tulsa i'm going to be looking to come to andopizza.com and order me a few slices and hopefully you'll be there and we'll get to shake hands sounds like a plan all right so mike bouch thank you so much for being with us today it's been an honor and believe me in education very cool have a great day you bet. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at businesscreatorsradioshow.com, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're here, be sure to subscribe to your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care. <laughs>